bitch. You need to hear this. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the bitchiest podcaster of them all? It's me, KDP. And welcome to, oh, Callie Kate just jumped on my lap to join our first episode ever of Bitch, You Need to Hear This. I am so excited you all are here. Let's dive right in. If you haven't listened, go back a little bit, listen to the intro, get a sense of what Bitch, You Need to Hear This is all about, um, and a little bit of a preview of what's to come. But today, on today's episode, I am going to kick off this series with my story. So there's going to be no guest. One of the few episodes with no guest on the podcast. Um, Every now and then, I'm going to sprinkle in details from my traumatic life story. The story that I'm going to share with you all today is what inspired this podcast to be brought to life. It is my heartbreak story, my rock bottom And I'm super nervous to share this story with you all today because it is, you know, it was one of the the hardest periods of my life, darkest periods of my life that I've ever been through. There is a lot of things that I did during this period of my life that I'm not super proud of and I'm not super excited to share publicly. Um, However, I think it served as a catalyst for change for me and a catalyst to to move forward and to look to inspire other women and make the you know and and make this series so all that to say before i dive into the story your trauma reminders for today's episode will include infidelity pregnancy and abortion and mentions of suicide so if any of those things are triggers for you. I recommend proceeding forward with caution. And if this episode is not for you, don't worry. There are plenty of other episodes to come that women are going to be sharing things that have nothing to do with any of those three things that I just mentioned. So also I said this in the intro to the podcast, but if you are my parents, I highly recommend skipping this episode. There are details of Um, my story that I don't recommend anyone knows about their child. Oh, other top of the podcast. I'm going to let you know that this does include my sex life. So again, to my parents, family members that don't want to know any of that about me, I recommend you skip this episode. You have been warned. I'm not stalling anymore. Let's dive in. This is Katie's epic 2020 heartbreak. All right, so I got to set the scene a little bit before we dive right into the year 2020. And I got to take you back to the year 2006. So 2006, I was 13 and I had just moved to a new town Um, and I moved to a new school. And, you know, like most 
small towns on a Friday night in the fall, you know that you're going to find most of the people at a Friday night home football game. And our town was no different. So my first Friday night football game, I um, linked up with one of the more popular girls in the school, which I was very excited about at the time. And she was kind of taking me around um, the concession area and the stands and was introducing me to who's who of our eighth grade and ninth grade class. And um, one person in particular, I will never forget. We walked up to him and she introduced him and I, I took him in and he just, he was tall. I mean, I think he was full grown at that point. So like six, three, six, four, he had this long bleach blonde, fake blonde, but it was bleach blonde, curly, shaggy hair, which was like totally in at that time. These bright blue eyes, this killer smile, had great teeth. Um, and I just, he was lean, he was athletic, like whatever. I was completely enthralled with this boy and um my friend introduced us and he literally could not have given less of a shit about my existence and to be fair like pretty sure in 2006 like I was rocking like two different color eyeshadows um and like did I still have braces I might have still had braces or just had gotten them off um, and I was just, you know, an awkward middle school girl. So he was like, yeah, whatever. Nice to meet you. But he was super interested in flirting with the girl that had introduced us. So, you know, I just kind of watched him and I had this moment and I'll never forget it of this intuition that this person was significant. He, he I don't, I, I remember saying to myself, I don't know when, I don't know how, and I don't know where, but we are going to be together. And I don't claim to be a psychic, but I do claim to be very intuitive. And it was a very intuitive moment of just this deep, like knowing in my stomach that I was going to know this person for a long time. So years go by. Okay. I'm like, uh, we years go by and you know, I'm, I'll have to record a whole other episode of how we got together, but this boy ends up being who we will lovingly refer to for the rest of the episode as Voldemort. (laughs) Um, all of the men in my episode are taking on pseudonyms and Voldemort, AKA he who shall not be named. This is perfectly apt for him. So good old Voldy and I, had even though I had an instant attraction to him he took him a few years to figure out that I was his girl and in those few years I patiently waited for him to date like half the girls if not more in our grade until 2009 so that brings us to our junior year so I met him in 2006 so three years later um we started we started dating and right off the bat the relationship was super intense super fucking toxic and it could be a whole separate episode of all of the stories i have of me and voldemort like just being crazy <laughs> 
Um, it was because it was so intense. It was very off and on. We'd break up, we'd make up. Our physical connection was like off the fucking charts, dude. Like, I mean, we, I, I can't even describe to you like how, the, the feelings were so intense. When you're 16, you've never experienced anything like this before. And, you know, he took my virginity and I was just enthralled with him. And I, the roller coaster ride that he took me on, I mean, I just ate it up. So we dated for a year and then we, he broke up. He kind of got bored of me and broke up with me um, that year, like a year later. And that turned into my senior year of high school where I just kind of like went all over the place and um, partied and whatever. And so we were broken up for about a year and a half. And he at that time had a girlfriend. He had totally gotten over me, whatever. And so I went off to college and I ended up going to Michigan State. And that first semester, I was devastated over our breakup. Let me just tell you, like, I had to go on antidepressants. It was a whole thing. And when I got to college, it was like at the end of my first semester of college, I finally felt ready to find someone again and to, like, be in a relationship. And now it's so funny because, like, I was 18 then. Like, I had no business being in a relationship. And none of my friends were in relationships either. But I always want, I always craved that partnership and that connection and that feeling, right? I was always chasing that, that intensity that I felt with Voldemort. Like it was like a drug. I mean, it, it was like crack <laughs> and I, and I craved it and I started to crave it again after being heartbroken for, you know, well over a year at that point. And so men, even that young can sniff you moving on. And so I started to kind of move on seriously. And that winter break of my freshman year of college, I get a text message from Voldemort and clearly he'd broken up with his girlfriend and he, you know, had some spiel like, I should have never broken up with you. Da da da. Like you're an amazing girlfriend. And of course I ate that shit up for breakfast. I was like, yes, we're getting back together. This is happening. And everybody in my life was like, what the fuck? Like you just, what? Like you just had a year of heartbreak and dysfunction and, and partying and doing drugs. And like this dude fucked you up. And now you're, I'm sorry, you're getting back together with him. Are you fucking nuts? And I will just, I had no words. I mean, it was so true. Like they weren't wrong. And I, you know, I knew at the time they weren't wrong, but I, there was something in me that, and again, that intuition in my stomach that was like, this is part of your journey and you have to do this. You have to move forward with this. And I listened, I listened to my gut and I believe to this day, like all said and done, I, this was part of my life story and a part of my life journey that I came on this earth to live and play out. And I believe in destiny. And I believe that he was so much a part of my destiny and that we were supposed to do this. Um, and even though it ended so horribly, you know, I believe that. So anyway, when I was recording this initially, like I said, this is like my eighth go at recording this. I was going to go through like every year of our really of me and Voldemort's tenure 
relationship. And it would be a whole other episode. And like I said, maybe I will make another episode of all of the things that occurred to us over the 10-year span that we were together. But the highlights are that over the span of those 10 years that we when we got back together in 2012, after that, it was just a cycle of breaking up and making up and he would cheat on me. A lot of our issues stemmed from the fact that he didn't finish high school and he had lied about that for many years. And then it finally, the truth finally came out. And, you know, over those 10 years, I went to college. I traveled abroad. Um, I went moved to Chicago for graduate school. I, you know, had all these friends and and things that I was doing in my life. And, and he was just there. You know, I, I will say that, and, and you know, from 2012 to 2019, he never held me back from anything that I didn't, that I wanted to do in my life. I wanted to travel the world. I did that by myself. I wanted to move to Chicago. I did that by myself. I wanted this. I wanted to do that. And I just fucking did the damn thing by myself. And he was just always there, quote unquote, waiting at home for me, really fucking around at home. Um, but I believed that, you know, this was my purpose. This is what I need to do. And if you're, you can come with me or you don't, but I'm doing this anyway. And he really resented that. And that did come out years later when we were in couples therapy, um, that he resented me for that. And I have no regrets. I, I'm so glad that I didn't just stay in our hometown with him for those from for those seven years 2012 2019 um because this probably would have been a very different story maybe I wouldn't even be here to tell that story honestly so I'm gonna fast forward us to the year 2019 so the years 2018 and 2019 really brought Voldemort and I very close Um, all my traveling was done. I decided that it was time for me to come home and settle down and become a wife and a mom. And I was ready to do that. I had all of the traveling bug out of my system. I was pretty much maxed out on school. I was pretty done with that. And I was ready to get a job and I was ready to come back and, and start our life together. So in 2018, we moved in and it was surprisingly blissful. I mean, yeah, like we had, you know, little tiffs that couples do, but like it was the most functional our relationship had ever been. I was very confident that there was no sign or hint of him ever cheating on me during that time. I still don't think he was cheating on me at that point. I I felt in my gut that like all of the hardship that we had gone through in those seven, whatever, eight years had been worth it. It like we had made it. Like I stuck through and I fixed this motherfucker and we were going to be a happy couple and have a family together. Like I was like, I proved everybody wrong. I proved my family wrong. My friends wrong. I said, I told you, we just needed to give him some time. We need to let him build his potential. And this was going to work. I was going to make this work. God fucking damn it. And I did. I was riding high. I was like, yes, this is it. This is the culmination of everything I've worked for. So in 2019, we, oh my God, there, as I'm telling this, I mean, there's just so many parts of the story that 
set the scene, but I, you know, I don't want to get lost in the weeds of it, but you know, I had helped him re reconcile with his father that he hadn't talked to in 15 years. And we were communicating like we weren't before. And he was finally talking about marriage. We went and picked out rings together. We loved our home together. We got two cats together. And, you know, we said we got an animal. We were like, okay, like, this is fucking it. Like, if we're getting an animal together, like, we're committing. Like, I know it's not a ring and I know it's not marriage, but, like, that's pretty fucking close. Like, (laughs) and, you know, he had finally agreed to actually take the steps needed to get his high school diploma, which was, like, the biggest reason that we would break up usually. And I mean, we were just on a roll. We were like really, really on a roll. So in August of 2019, I bought a house. I bought us a house. Um, And financially, he was not in a place to purchase a home. Um, So I bought it on my own. And that was fine. I, I knew that part of our you know, I knew that our relationship, I was always going to be the primary breadwinner. You know, I come from a family that is, you know, successful and I, you know, am educated and have a career and he didn't, I mean, he he didn't, he didn't finish high school. (laughs) So I knew that choosing him meant choosing that I was going to be the breadwinner and I'm sorry, but I am a badass bitch. I was totally content with that. I'm totally fine being a breadwinner. Like I'm totally okay I thought, I, I thought I was totally okay being in a non-traditional relationship in that way. In 2019, we bought our house in the same town that I got a job in. I had no commute to work. Our house was fully refurbished, like re gutted and flipped. It was an old house in the village and it was beautiful on the inside. Everything was brand new and redone and it was a white kitchen and, you know, these beautiful color on the walls and the flooring had was all the original wood from the house being built in 1920. And it was beautifully, you know, um, reserved and they'd take ripped carpet out and it was just gorgeously redone. And I jumped on this house and it was like, my dream was coming true. I mean, I stood on the front porch and I said, you know, I'm going to bring my first baby home here and I'm going to become a wife here. And all of these things that, you know, as much as I love my education and my career, like I did those things so I could support a family and all I, all I've ever wanted in my life, you know, and it, maybe it sounds antiquated or whatever, but I want to be a mom and I want to be a wife that like, I, that was always what I wanted to do. And I was finally realizing this dream after 10 years of travel and education and independence and a long distance relationship and going through all the trials and tribulations of him cheating and the, you know, the codependent toxic bullshit back and forth. We, we had let all that go. And like, we were in a place, like we were finally growing up. I felt I'm finally a real grown up. So that was August of 2019. Couldn't have been in a better place. And in October of 2019, I came home from work and Voldemort had just come home just before me and we like literally at the same time and we got out of our cars at the same time and he came toward me and he said I just got laid off and I kind of thought he was joking (laughs) I was like I got laid off funny it's like no like dead ass 
I just lost my job. I blinked a few times and I said, okay, okay. Um, okay. Well, what we're going to do is you're going to focus on finishing your diploma so that you can find a better job and more job stability. And I'm going to take care of the bills and take care of the house. And you're going to stay home, work on your diploma and like take care of like the day to day projects in the house. We had outside projects we were working on, keeping the house clean, cooking dinner, whatever. Like, like, don't worry about paying your half of the mortgage. I'll handle it all. You that's going to be your contribution. He says, oh, my God. Okay, thank you so much. Da 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 da. I don't know. Maybe it took a few weeks, maybe a month. And it quickly became very apparent that he was not going to be living up to his end of the bargain. And he spiraled into a state of just full on depression where he was playing video games all day, just super unmotivated. And I'd come home, like I lived really close to work. And so I'd come home for lunch And he'd be in the basement at noon playing video games instead of working on his classes or cleaning or looking for a job or literally anything I could think of a grown ass adult would do on a weekday and Tuesday afternoon at 12 o'clock instead of Fortnite. But there we were. So I started to set rules for him. Like you can't play video games from like 9am to 3pm. Like during those hours you need to be here is what you can be doing. You need to get up. You're not sleeping in like all of these rules. Like I was his fucking mom and it started to really put a strain obviously on our relationship. That's not a natural relationship between a man or a woman for me to give him rules. Like, I'm his mom, but I I didn't know what else to do. And I felt that I'd put this much time and this much energy over so many years that I just, I wasn't, you know, there was no, there was no question that I was going to let him go. You kidding me? I don't quit. Like, I'm not a quitter. (laughs) So the relationship continued to deteriorate into 2019. And so when 2020 started, you know, I didn't really, I didn't know. I, I, I knew that I wanted to commit to taking better care of myself. I gained a ton of weight. Um, I happiest I'd ever been. Um, and I just, I wasn't happy. Like I, I wasn't, I wasn't happy anymore. So we all kind of know how the first few months of the pandemic went, but the first few months of 2020, Um, Voldemort ended up finally finishing his diploma and getting a high school degree after 10 years of begging him, well, whatever, at the time, eight, eight years of begging him to do that. He finally finished it after my dad offered him 500 bucks. And everybody around me was like, aren't you like so happy? Like he finally did it. Like you don't have to worry about this anymore. And, and I, when I tell you, I felt nothing. I literally felt nothing. I thought I would feel elated. I thought this would have solved all of our problems. And I remember looking, I don't remember who I said this to, but I remember looking at somebody going, yeah, no, it's a little bit too little, too late, honestly. 
It's like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? I mean, this, this is a big, I remember my parents being like, Katie, like, this is a big accomplishment though. Like we should at least, you know, honor him and be proud of him for doing that. And I was like, I guess, <laughs> I mean, how many opportunities did he have before? And he never did. Like, I don't know. I, I just, I felt so numb at that point. And so once his diploma was done, really the next step for him was like, okay, are you going to go to trade school and get a trade or are you going to just go get another job? And we were looking at different programs for him to try to do some apprenticeships or some type of trade. And, you know, not, he was, I was looking up a lot of things and nothing was really landing with him that he was like, I really want to do that. I'm going to look into that. Um, But what he did end up doing was he ended up going for the weekend um, down to Florida to do a um, like a personal growth seminar that my family and I had been trying to get him to go to for like eight years. So in one month, he got his high school diploma and he went down and did this seminar called The Journey. And The Journey is supposed to kind of like you know, have you unpack the traumas in your past and kind of process through them so that you can set goals and move forward and like take ownership of your life. And it's, it's, it's an amazing program. I went through it myself when I was in high school, my parents all went through it when they were, you know, in, when they were adults, like 25, 20 years ago, um, my brothers have done it. Like my whole family has done this program. And so we've been trying to get him to go forever. And he finally went, he finally opened up. He finally was willing to acknowledge like there were, there was, you know, work that he needed to do on himself. I had never heard him, you know, I never seen him so light. And like, after talking to him after this weekend, so in this one month he goes and gets his diploma and he does this program. And, you know, he was like, I, you know, I'm ready for the next step in my life. I'm ready to find a job. Da, 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 da. So we're, I'm talking to him on the phone when he's down on this trip and I had booked his flights for him and I went into his email to go look for his confirmation number for his flights. And I see all these emails in his inbox of messages that he was getting through plenty of fish. So he was on a dating app again can't tell you how many times I caught him on Tinder over the years. Um, and I confronted him about it while he was in Florida doing this personal growth. So he's like, on, you know, kind of on this high of like having this, you know, life altering experience. And I'm like, dude, I, are you cheating on me again? Like, are you fucking serious? Like fucking serious. After all of these months of me feeding you, paying all of our bills, like you're, you're cheating on me on plenty of fish you motherfucker and he's like Katie I am so beyond that part of my life I would never even think about doing that I'm like well Voldemort the truth like is in your fucking email inbox I don't know like I don't know he goes no he goes no but then suspiciously totally changes his email password and I never got into his inbox after that ever again so who knows? Who knows um, if the cheating ever stopped? I thought it did. 
up until that point. But I honestly didn't even care. I, like I, 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 you know, looking in, looking back at it now, it's like, I literally didn't even care. I mean, I, you know, I confronted him about it and I was like, what is this? But I didn't even care enough to like continue to investigate. I just shrugged my shoulders and, and knew he was lying. And there was just no, like no energy on my part to further investigate. So 2020 keeps moving. And right around the time of the COVID shutdowns, I was working from home and he came into my, our home office and he sat on the floor and was playing with the cat. And he goes, Hey, I, you know, got a, I got a, I called into my old job and there's a potential that, you know, your dad called them too. And did, you know, my dad knew these people and, you know, pulled some strings and I might be able to start working there again. What do you think? And I just stopped what I was doing. And I looked at him and I said, you need to do whatever you want to do. Like, I don't know why you're even asking me. <laughs> like, I was that apathetic at that point. Like, I was like, I don't know. Whatever. I mean, and he goes, you know, maybe, Katie, this relationship has run its course. And I didn't disagree. I said, maybe you're right. I don't know. I just know I'm not happy anymore. And then promptly the next day, all of the world basically ended and we looked at each other and we said, okay, I don't know what the fuck's going on, but you're definitely not moving out in the middle of this crazy pandemic. And like, let's reevaluate in a couple weeks when things start to open back up again. Right. Um, and we'll figure it out. Let's just ride this pandemic out together because I don't know what's going to happen. So we kind of did that. We quarantined um, just the two of us together during the thick of the pandemic and we coexisted. There were no big fights. There was no heavy discussions. There was definitely tension in the air, but we just kind of, we coexisted and we, you know, we just were kind of in a holding pattern. And then April 17th, 2020 comes along and I was up in our office working and my phone pings and I look and it's a Facebook message and it's from a girl that I knew Voldemort had hooked up with prior. There's not much text in it, but there were photos and the photos contained pictures of a little redheaded girl. Voldemort is also redheaded. And she said something along the lines of, Hey, Katie, I know this is really out of the blue, but I think it's time that you hear the truth. This is Voldemort and I's daughter. And she's seven years old. Voldemort's never met her, but she's asking questions about her dad and she, she wants to know him and I want her to know him and, and even, and you even, um, and I hope that we can work something out. I'm sorry for keeping this hidden for so long. And uh, my stomach dropped to my ass <laughs> and I, I don't know if I said it audibly or in my head. I don't remember, but I, I know that I had the thought like, this is done. This we're done. And I dropped what I was doing at my, at work 
it was about six o'clock at night. So I, I was working late anyway. And I stood up, I walked downstairs and I just handed Voldemort my phone and he was standing there cooking dinner. We were making, he was making cauliflower pizza and he was sauteing or whatever. He was cooking the meat, standing at the stove and I hand him my phone and he just kind of looks at me puzzled and he looks down and he sees the pictures and the message and the person that sent them and he sighed really loudly and he said, I don't know why she's doing this now. I had an out-of-body moment <laughs> and I said, wait, this is real? <laughs> like, I'm like, fuck, I fucking knew it. I knew, and I, I remember saying this to him, I knew it. I knew it, even though I didn't know it. <laughs> so I knew it. I knew you cheated on me with her. I knew that, I knew you hooked up with this girl. I should have known. I should have known. I, wa- I just I walked away and I was just in such shock. I, I, I couldn't even call anyone or, or tell anyone what had happened. I just, I didn't know what I was going to do. And he, he followed me out of the kitchen and he said, I can, I can pack a bag and I can go, Katie, like I, I can go. And at that moment, when your entire life feels like it's exploding and imploding all you want to do all I wanted to do in that moment was just stop I just wanted to stop and freeze and I so I said just stop you're not going anywhere I said you're not leaving tonight I need a minute I need a minute to like process what I've just found out I don't need you I don't want to be alone it's, you know, there's not like I could call anyone to come over. I mean, it was literally like the thick of the pandemic. You know, it was April 2020. Like we were quarant- we were fucking quarantined. Like nobody was going nowhere. You know, he, he stayed and I, I cried. Um, and cried and cried and cried and cried some more. I, I don't think, I think I cried more tears in the year 2020 than I ever cried in my whole life. And the next day I woke up and it was a Saturday and I woke up and he, we had slept in the same bed that night. And I think I had asked him to sleep in the bed with me when you're, I, again, like I, my brain, you know, looking back, you're like probably thinking at this point, like, why, like, why didn't you just tell him to fucking leave? I, I couldn't tell him to leave at any other point in our relationship after he cheated on me and lied to me and continuously didn't show up to create the life with me that we had planned. And I, I never told him to leave. So why would I tell him to leave now? So we had slept in the same bed and I woke up and we just looked at each other and we didn't speak. but we ended up having sex and I can't describe to you how weird that was, but it was, it felt like the only thing I to do in that moment. There was no words. It was just like, I love this person so deeply and I'm going to have to let him go now. And I didn't know how else to articulate that. And I know it sounds like it makes no sense 
to have sex. <laughs> but it was like almost like our way of, I think, trying to starting to say goodbye. And we had always had such physical chemistry that that was never was never a problem. And that felt so safe and so comfortable. And I think that was, you know, part of it too was that was that was our language like that was the only language that we spoke together was our sex life and that that aligned all the time and I think we found so much comfort in in one another in that moment when we when we couldn't have comfort anywhere else after we had sex we instantly like got out of bed and and we just kind of separated in the house like we I I, we literally couldn't speak to each other (laughs) Like I, I like I, when I say like we couldn't, I mean I don't, I like physically could not speak to him, and I think he was afraid <laughs> to speak to me. <laughs> so that morning we, you know, just stayed in separate rooms of the house, and I finally got the courage to reach out again to the um his baby mama for lack of a better word. I started asking all kinds of questions. Are you? He hasn't met her. No, he's never met her. Yes, she's seven. Yes, we live in the same town as you. No, he's not on the birth certificate. No, he did not try to prevent getting me pregnant. Yes, you guys were in a relationship when we were having sex with each other. Yes, we had sex multiple times. We had. She told me that they had sex when she was pregnant with the baby af- a few months after she had the baby and he still never met her. And the whole time he was with me. I started, you know, I started looking online. I looked at this little girl's birthday and her birthday, I remember we were, when she was born, we were on a trip, Voldemort and I, um, out of town. And he must have known that his baby was being born. <laughs> we were on a family vacation. He never hinted at anything at that time that I can remember. He later told me that when he found out she was pregnant, he told her to get an abortion. And if she didn't get an abortion, that was fine. That's her choice. But he was going to have nothing to do with the baby. And he told me I held true to that. And he did. He had nothing to do with her. Um, She would reach out to him periodically over the years and would ask him to meet her. And Voldemort was just like, I'm not ready. It's not the right time. Whatever. Um, but Voldemort didn't tell anyone that he was a father. No one. Um, his family didn't know. I obviously didn't know. No one. I don't. And if someone did know, um, I don't, I'm not, to this day, I'm not aware that they knew. Besides Voldemort and his baby mama. So got all this information and it just made me even more angry. So I remember walking into the room he was in and I said, do you want to know what else I found out or what? And he immediately got up. He goes, nope, I'm going to leave. He goes, I'm going to leave. I don't want to know what you found out, but I'm going to go. And he started throwing his clothes into a black trash bag. And I was standing there watching him and in our bedroom. And I said, what was your plan? What, what was your plan? Were you just going to marry me and start a life with me and have our own kids together and just hope that you weren't, that I wasn't going to ever find out that you have an illegitimate child? And he looked at me and he shrugged and he said, well, yeah, that was kind of my plan. Honestly, Katie, it was. I was like, you were just, you were literally 
just a ticking time bomb waiting to happen. You have been on borrowed time for the last seven years and you knew it. I was, yeah, I knew it. I didn't know it. And I just, I was, I, I was speechless. I was shook and he's throwing stuff in the bag. And I think he was waiting for me. I know he was waiting for me to tell him to stop because I picked up a pair of socks and I threw them in the bag and it was the, fr- and he, it stopped him dead in his tracks and he looked at me and he realized like I was not going to fight him leaving this time. And he started even more quickly throwing clothes in the bag. And I just started following him around the house, basically berating him. (laughs) Um, And I remember we were in the basement and he was packing up his little fucking stupid man cave down there. And I had said, you know, do you not realize that you just like completely fucked up? Like, do you not realize what you've done? And he, it was like the first time he had shown any emotion at all. And he was carrying his TV up the stairs and he, he spin, you know, looks at me and he goes, yeah, he starts crying and he goes, he goes, I fucking realized that I just fucked up my entire life, Katie. Yeah, I do fucking realize it. And I just, I mean, I, again, speechless, just like shook, like cannot believe this is happening. So packs up his stuff. He fills his car with whatever will fit in his car. And we were sitting together on the back porch and we're just both sitting there sobbing, absolutely bawling. And I tell him through my tears that I really feel like, and I believe that no one is going to love me like he did. No one is going to want me I like he did. Um, I told him I, I'm not desirable. No, no one, no one's going to want me. And he looked at me and he like, like I had three heads and he was like, are you fucking serious? I was like, dead ass. I'm like, I'm I'm sobbing. I'm like, why do you think I've stayed with you for so long? Like, yeah, I fucking believe that. I, I full heart. I fully believe that. And he was like, so many guys are gonna want you Katie like so many guys I mean he's like you you have so much to offer to a person you're you know you're successful you're beautiful you're funny you you you're you're caring you you're loyal like you have so many qualities like what do you mean no one's gonna want you and I was like I don't see that I don't believe that he goes, well, you're, you're just as fucked up as me then. And I said, what are you going to do now? He said, I don't know. So I don't know. I, I'm going to go home for a while and maybe move out of state, start over somewhere. I don't know. I said, well, the only way that we could salvage this is that if you agreed to step up and be a father and acknowledge this child said, I have no interest in doing that, Katie. I go, even if it's the only way to keep our relationship, he shook his head and he said, nope, I gotta go. And I wish I could say that after that conversation, he got in his car and he left and I never saw him again. But unfortunately, (laughs) that did not happen. 
<laughs> so he leaves, gets in his car, and his car won't start. Do, 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 do. I mean, like, he's turning it over and over and over. It won't start. It won't start. And he starts pounding on the steering wheel and screaming in his car. Like, all the windows were closed, but I could see the car shaking. I could hear him, the muffled screams. And, uh... Again, it was the thick of the pandemic, so there was really, like, nowhere for us to go to buy anything. I mean, like, maybe Meyer, but then it, like, it, the issues in his car were, like, well beyond what we could pick up at a grow like, at Meyer or whatever. So he sat in the car for a long time, and he had a black hoodie on, and he had his hood over his head, and he was leaning over the steer- steering wheel, crying. And I opened the door, and I said, just come back inside, Voldemort. Just come back inside. We'll figure it out tomorrow. I don't know. And he's, he goes, I don't deserve to come back inside, Katie. I don't deserve to be in there. I said, I know, but I'm not going to have you sit out in my garage all night either. So we came back inside and we decided that we were no longer together. We're no longer a couple, but he was going to stay there until we could fix his car and figure out where what he was going to do next. And I started just feeling really tired and just, just weird. Not myself, like physically, besides being afraid that I had COVID. (laughs) I looked on my, I I looked on my phone and I realized that the, the day that I found out about Voldemort's child, I was ovulating and there was a very high chance that I had gotten pregnant the night that we slept together. And so I went to the store and I went to Kroger and I didn't, I didn't tell anyone, um, not even Voldemort that I suspected I was pregnant. I just knew I, I, I knew in my soul that I knew, I actually knew when we slept together that he had gotten me pregnant. I can't describe to you. And if you're a female that's ever gotten pregnant, like you knew at the moment of conception like I knew at the moment of conception that there was a baby and I denied that because of everything that was going on and so I went to the store and I picked up the pregnancy test and I came home and I'm not gonna lie like I I had a lot of pregnancy scares over the years so there was a part of me that was like your mind is playing tricks on you like you're looking for a reason for this relationship not to end like that's probably why you feel like you're pregnant I'm sure you're not whatever so I came home and I took the pregnancy test and it came up positive and I had the digital one so it just flashed pregnant held the stick in my my hands and just sat there gaping at it for a full minute probably and that thing took no time to come back as positive I mean it was positive as fuck so I got up and again Voldemort was making cauliflower pizza (laughs) he was standing at the fucking stove literally making the same meal that he had been making when I found out about his other kid um I just came down and instead of handing him my phone, I handed him the stick and I didn't hand it to him, but I held it up and he, uh, he looked at it and he looked at me and he's like, you're joking. I'm like, we are so fucking stupid. I just like repeated over and over and over. We are so fucking stupid. I started walking out of the kitchen to go call one of my girlfriends. And uh, he called after me and he goes, 
If you don't want it, just get a fucking abortion. I paused on the stairs. And I just let out a breath that I didn't realize I'd been holding. And I kept walking up to my room. And I called two people, for sure, that I remember that time. I called two of my closest friends. Um, I don't remember the order in which I called them, but I remember calling my friend Diana and my friend Megan. And for both of them, I FaceTimed them. I had just held the pregnancy test up to the camera. So they were like, holy fuck, Katie. Like, what? What? (laughs) And then I had to go on and disclose to them that Voldemort and I had broken up and why we were breaking up and yeah I'm pregnant and what the fuck am I gonna do and you know throughout the days that followed I I told a few other people that I knew had uh gone through a pregnancy and an abortion and I I didn't know what I was gonna do because like I said earlier every single Adam in my body wants to be a mom and wants to have a family. And I was 26 at the time. I had my own home, a career, and all the means to support a baby. But I had this deadbeat dad that didn't even take care of his own kids, his own existing child. And I knew that our relationship was over. There was no salvaging it. The, the, this betrayal was different than any of the cheating. I mean, this is so beyond that. So I didn't know what I was going to do. So I started, I started talking to other people that had made a decision either to keep their baby or to not keep their baby and everything in between. And I, my friends were like, you know, if you go through with this, like this baby is going to be so loved and cherished and you are going to be the best mom to that baby. And they said, if you don't go through with this, you're going to have all the support that you could possibly ever need. And we're behind you 100%. And when I wanted to talk to Voldemort about what we were going to do, I said, Voldemort, <laughs> every single big decision in our relationship has been ultimately made by me, but I need your help this time. I need your help. I need you to tell me what to do. I remember sitting on my bed and he was standing in the doorway. We had been starting to sleep in separate rooms at this point. And he was standing in the doorway getting ready to go to bed in, in the other room. And it was tears streaming down my face. And I said, please, please tell me what to do. What do you want to do? He goes, I can't tell you that, Katie. He goes, it's not a good time to have a baby. I'll tell you that. It's not a good time for us to have a kid. And that was all he would say. And I just felt so alone. And so isolated in the middle of this pandemic with this decision, you know, what with so many different things going in my head. I mean, the morality of abortion. I mean, I'm sure there are people listening to this that don't believe in abortion um, for religious reasons or or what ha- or moral reasons or both or whatever. And when I finally got the courage, I had a friend, a good friend that had been through it and I got the courage to she said, you, you got to tell your mom. You know, you got to tell your mom what's happening. I was like, no, I do not want to tell my mom, but okay. So I called my mom and 
you know, I made sure that my dad wasn't around. So I wasn't ready to tell him yet. I actually, what I actually never told him. He, my, I left that up to my mom. I hadn't made a decision about what I was going to do, but I had just told her, well, you know, first I said, I have something to tell you. Voldemort and I broke up and she was like, well, this is a good thing. <laughs> she goes, this is fine. Like, thank God. I'm sure like in her head, she was doing somersaults. And I said, yeah, that's not it though. Um, I just found out that I'm pregnant and she could, I could hear the air leave her lungs. And she said, okay, we need to make an appointment. I needed her to say that because I don't think that I would have made the decision on my own. I think I needed somebody else to make that decision for me. And I mean, not that she didn't make it for me. I I think I knew, I think there was a part of me in my, my soul that knew that that that's what I was going to do. But to do that meant letting go of this dream I had to have babies with this man that I had loved for 10 years. And even though our relationship was shitty and, and I'd been through the ringer and back with this guy, like that was, I held on to that dream so tightly and to, to have a baby inside me and the, the chance to maybe just stick my head in the sand and pretend that none of that other stuff had happened. We could just have this baby and live in, in our house together. I mean, I, I honestly, I struggled to let go of it and I don't, I think I needed somebody out loud to say, you need to let go. You need to let go now. And that is where we will press pause on this story. And I will be back with the next installment in the next few episodes. Honestly, as I'm recording this, I'm not sure if it will be the next episode after this or a few episodes in the future, but I will be taking you on the next part of my story, which focuses on the deterioration of my mental health and how I had to um, grapple with some very severe, dark depression and how I climbed my way out of that to get to where I am now. So this was a dramatic first episode, but this story really truly did inspire this podcast. And, you know, I've only told the first half of the story, so we haven't gotten to the good part yet where this totally was the catalyst for my entire life to change and to do a complete 180. And so as dark as it is in this, in that moment when I was calling my mom, telling her that I was pregnant and making the decision to terminate the pregnancy, um, it somehow got even darker from there, but then it has, you know, that became a catalyst to turn it around and to totally change my life. And I can't wait to share that part of the story with you. So hold on. I have more tea for you. Don't worry. All right, guys, that does it for the first full episode of bitch. You need to hear this. See you next week.